Welcome to New Game Netcast, the official podcast of NewGameNetwork.com. This is episode 9 for Sunday, July 22nd, 2012. Today on the show, we've got Valve kicking off Steam Summer Sale, Gears of War Judgment release date, Battlefield 4 beta, EA Sports becoming official partner of Tottenham Hotspur, and Dead Space 3 early facts. We'll recap our reviews of Barnicula, Spec Ops The Line, and Test Drive Ferrari Racing Legends. We're also talking about Steam Greenlight, Limbo on PS3, Fez unable to get patched, Pinny Arcade talking about false reporting, EA stock drop, the OUYA and Kickstarter projects, our PSN contest, and of course, question of the episode. Welcome everybody, it is Sunday, July 22nd, New Game Netcast, episode 9. How is everybody doing today? I'm hearing noises, so I must not be alone. I think there's Peter here. Yes, there is. And Matthew. Hello. And Evan. You're never alone, Alex. <laughs> See, it's all good. We're all here. That's right. We're ready to talk about games. Indeed we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I am pumped for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, can, I can barely hold it. You, you can't see me, but I'm uh, hugging the monitor at the moment. <laughs> That's awesome. Trying to crawl in there. Pretty hot. Yeah. It is right time. It is 40 degrees today. 40? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you All guys right. using that crazy newfangled Celsius system when you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm always with Celsius. That's what it is in England, isn't it? You mean the proper yeah. thing? We are dealing Fahrenheit, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, a fool's game. Yeah, it's pretty hot over here, actually. I went on a long run yesterday in the middle of the day, and usually in Washington it's nice and cool, you know, no matter what. But I got beat up pretty bad because I was so thirsty, just like five or six miles in. You, should, rough. you should carry pepper spray. Uh, pepper, <laughs> what? Huh? Well, if you get beat up, I mean, sorry to hear that. Oh gosh! <laughs> Is that not good? Nah, uh, you could do better. Yeah, do better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so last weekend, uh, I was in Comic Con, right? All right. Fun times. Could tell you a whole yeah, whole bunch of stories to tell there. But unfortunately, even though there were some pretty good um, panels going around for video games. I didn't end up going to any of them. I caught a little bit of, uh, like, I walked by the Tomb Raider panel where they were talking about how they're going to make Lara into a more realistic female character uh, and all that jazz. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I, actually, isn't that one of the things we're going to talk about? No, I guess not this time around. That uh, We've got a female writer for the tomb, new Tomb Raider. Yeah, uh, I saw Rihanna Pratchett. Um, I was part of IGDA in... Uh, in the good old U- UK, and uh, she was on a panel there um, with a few of the writers. Wait, what else has she written? Do you know? I mean, is there... Heaven, Heavenly Sword. Mm, don't know it, but okay. Uh, PS3 launch title it was. It, I think she won a BAFTA for it as well, only because no one else British had written for a video game. Is <laughs> 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 what I think it came down to. Um, yeah, the, it was an all right thing. It was more anecdotal than it was actually informative in the end. Um... Which, on the, the panel? Yeah, on this panel I saw, which I was like, well, I was kind of, you know, I, I was interested in, you know, how you, well, I know now, but, you know, are you working with the kind of mechanics, you know, the, the spider yeah. web of game design and, you know, 
oh. where it comes in and everything and how you know how tight you have to keep it to the game design document and everything but that kind of never really cropped up it was I... like i remember doing this emotional bit once and you know kind of go with that so it's more so just who, like who was who was that was that the woman who's now writing the new tomb raider uh no that was that was another dude um who was there i think there, there was a, yeah there was three there was a younger guy there was um an older guy who was he wrote for star wars sorry not star wars star star Trek. <laughs> oh oh <laughs> careful that is a full part and and yeah and there was Rihanna pratchett as well it was it was it was all right it wasn't too informative but i to be honest i don't know where there's been that many um um, actual, you know, decent writers panels for games, but uh, yeah, with with Tomb Raider, I don't know. You can say you want to make a more dimensional character, that, but that's what they say with every game. It's going to be darker and grittier, and it's going to be more more realistic. Yeah, it, it seems like it's it seems like it's the popular thing to say these days. But I wonder how much effort is really going into it, not to bring up painful memories for all of us, but little things like uh, Mass Effect Three. Where they the writers specifically said, oh, you know, we are working on you know making this a deep and meaningful ending and well written, and we thought we produced the best ending we could and, and all that yeah. jazz. I, I just think, meh, you know, the thing is, if it's a story-driven game, it goes without saying that it's supposed to be well written. You don't need to tell people you're going to write a well written, engaging story if it's you know a story. As- driven game as if that was an exciting new standard for yeah. us yeah and it's oh there's going to be so many people are going to be talking to each other oh you're going to be oh you're going to be the so dialogue so, so much dialogue <laughs> yeah like we're not just you know saying it's all well and good but you know pulling it off is something else yeah. now that we've totally digressed back to comic-con yeah yeah <laughs> No, no, no. I, story, the yeah. point of Comic Con was just to say that I missed out on all the cool video game stuff. Sad to say. Oh, Sorry. What did you see? Non video game. Um, I saw the Hobbit panel. It was good. I saw the Quentin Tarantino panel. Uh, saw the previews for uh, Superman, the new Superman movie coming up. Yeah. Oh, altogether awesome stuff. That's What's the best know. costume that you saw there? Oh gosh. You know what? Probably the best. You know, you know, technical costumes aside, like of course there were some awesome Halo costumes. And I thought, yeah, a couple good portal costumes. Um, but the funniest one I thought was Mr. Miyagi from <laughs> from uh, Karate Kid, because he had the chopsticks and a fly glued to them, <laughs> so that you could get your picture taken with him, like capturing the fly. It was nice. great. Oh, and I made Australian News. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, Australian News Channel Seven, and that uh, yeah, was pretty awesome. What, about anything particular? Uh, I was just walking out of the Hobbit, and the camera crew, crew caught me. My, I had this really flashy costume on, so they... Oh, right. Well, what did you dress as? Uh, Dark Elf. Oh, right. From, uh... Wow. Or well, from something else. <laughs> not yeah, from you gotta specify, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, no, Dark, Dark Elf from... Uh, okay, not from the Hobbit, but from... Let's see here. The Forgotten Realm series, Dritz. Uh, I guess they used Dark Elf in um, Neverwinter Nights, and... Uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's sort of a cross-fantasy thing. So wait, did, did you put, like, blackface and everything? Or, like, dark? Oh, yeah. You know, gosh, can I get you, let me see, is there a way to, like, show you, send you we guys... Can get, you, can you can we get, get a picture of you? Can we get a picture of you on the side for this podcast episode? Yeah. <laughs> is there a way to send pictures through this mystical Skype? Yeah, yeah, you can just drag it into the SMS box and it'll... Well, well let's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's keep on... Let's not risk our connection. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm interested now. Okay, but eventually, we do need to get on to you know like 
news of games, but I've never seen I've never seen Tarantino Tarantino before, but he's a hilarious guy. Like it's just it's funny. And who was who was on his panel? Oh, the stars of the show. I can't remember their names. I feel so bad. Stars of, uh, of Django Unchained. Yeah, uh, stars of Django Unchained. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked pretty good, and and they were and the good thing was that was a good panel. Like the stars went into, they, they talked. Oh, what was it? Oh, and I guess in, yeah, they they talked about like Django Unchained has a weak female character, and are people going to get onto us for that? And why it's okay because this is in the past, and it would be unfitting before you know Southern United States slavery area to show, yeah. you know the. Strong female character who goes around kicking butt, blah blah blah. You can hardly say that Tarantino is against strong female protagonists after killed. Yeah, exactly. I think he's earned enough. Uh, he's earned enough glory. Girl, the girls are gonna keep away from that, and for a little while. Time to talk about some games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So our top news stories on the site: Valve kicks off Steam Summer Sale. Uh, Gears of War Judgment is coming in March 2013. Medal of Honor Warfighter Limited Edition is going to include Battlefield 4 beta access. EA Sports becomes the official game partner of Tottenham Hotspur, and Dead Space 3 gets an early fact sheet. Has anyone made any amazing purchases? Sadly, no, but there's so much that I would purchase. So good, so much with 75% off. Um, I got... Uh, the Binding of Isaac for, I think it was about 99p. Oh, you're yeah. going to love it. Yeah, I are. Wow. Um, uh, and I got Space Chem as well and Amnesia, the Dark Descent. Oh, I still need to get it. I've heard and seen so many things. <laughs> oh, I think, <laughs> oh, I think my is the Bag of Milky Ways video. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing I could. <laughs> I'm so glad you know that video. It's, yeah. I've seriously gone back and rewatched it. <laughs> but, um, I, but it, it's not letting me buy stuff at the moment because I'm trying right. to pay from um, an English account into Steam and it, it's kind right. of, it does not compute. I was trying to buy Vampire the Masquerade today. Um, but I, I wanted to get Bastion and uh, some other stuff as well, but I really need to sort it out because this the offers are just kind of floating by in a haze. I'm going to miss them all. And The Witcher as well. Oh, today is like the last yeah, day, dude, so. I know, that's what I mean. I'm really <laughs> pushing. But I'll have, to, I'll have to buy them today. When does it end? Uh, today, I think, the last oh. day. Yeah. It honestly amazes me that Steam can do this. I mean, it, you know, Steam you always usually has good deals anyway. Mm. But like, these are great discounts on top quality games that Steam's given out. Well, to be fair, if you look around, you can get them elsewhere for cheaper as well. Um, like Amazon had matched pretty much all of Steam sales, and also had some ones that are even bigger than that. Oh, Gog yeah. as well had some decent ones. So. Uh, which one? Gogs, um, yeah, mainly really old games. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, actually, Green Man Gaming, um, they have, especially for pre-orders, they have great sales. But I, I think it's because um, because it's so cheap, it's that kind of mentality, that if it's like a few quid <laughs> that you can afford, yeah. afford to spend it, but a few quid and it gets racked up when you buy about ten games. But, um, you know, you're still getting a really good deal. It's, I think it's just that kind of price mentality that people have. It works, though, doesn't it? Because they they get loads of sales. You're getting games for the price of some um, some apps, and it's just I've, I've bought quite a few other things as well. I've maybe never played, but I just got them because they were 99p, £1 something. Why not? Yeah, it's like it's too good not to buy it. But um, I think Armour did really well as well, especially after DayZ got all that um, attention, too. Yeah, yeah. 
It's finally on the sale, so now it's number one. Yeah, I know. I saw it in the store today. Has anybody actually played Daisy? Uh, I know Tim did, but he's not here because he's on vacation in a sunny land. All right, very nice. Yeah, um, it's it. It sounds interesting uh, as far as zombie stuff goes, but I've I've heard the other side is you're basically running around an open area for a very long time without doing much. Yeah. I don't know. But if, if it's cheap, it's kind of like, why not? Gears of War Judgment is coming in March 2013, which makes uh, like less than two years before the previous Gears of War. Yeah. We got, uh, you know, far more yeah. money. If my math is correct. Yeah, yeah you've got to keep the Xbox 360 user base satisfied somehow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess Wait, they're, they're trying to fill one more in before the next generation. Is this uh, the prequel one? Yeah. Where, so, where everything looked kind of brown in the uh, thingy. Well, it's always, yeah. Yeah, it's still great. Let's, let's line it up, guys. 50 shades of brown. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, now. Yeah, but, um, yeah, the um, Q1 of next year is starting to get really quite busy, isn't it? Buses uh, coming out. Uh, Bioshock Infinite, and I'm sure there's lots else that I've completely forgotten. Two Raider, um, Dead Space 3. Yeah. I'm the gonna Machine for Pigs, yeah. The Witness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, The Witness. The Witness. Oh, is the coming out? Yeah, I, I thought, thought uh, the summer next year. Oh, I thought it was the end of this year. Oh. What I is it? I think so. The Witness. Um... Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, Jonathan Blow's next game. Yeah, Jonathan Blow's next game. And what's yeah. he done? I am a bread. Oh, right, right, right. And which, what's this one about? It's you it's stuck on an bread. island. You think it'll yes. match up to Braid? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know enough about it. Um, I... I think it'll be interesting, at least, because I think he's a really interesting guy. He makes interesting games. I've been right. uh, following, following the development. I, th- I think it actually has a good chance of being better than Braid. Yeah, I think it, it may be... Yeah. Maybe not as popular. It might be one of those things where technically it's a better game... But, mm. you know, a lot of people liked Braid and played Braid just because they thought the time rewind thing was cute. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is a game where the writing and the structure and the story might be even better, but people won't get it because it's essentially missed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It could potentially be that, yeah. yeah. Hey, well, do you follow his um, development blog? Yeah. Yeah, you see, I, I really, we get lots of pictures of the island as it's updated graphically and he changes things around and you get updates about the amount of the amount of puzzles and things they've got on the island, but I don't really know anything about, in terms of story or narrative, what he's going for, what what's kind of going to be the themes that run through it, I don't know anything about that yet. He's keeping a pretty tight lid on it so far, but the little bit that he's let out uh, sounds very promising. Cross our fingers that ten minutes into the game you pick up a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't solve this puzzle. <laughs> it's actually just one massive parody of the, um, the homogenous AAA development of console. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know how we got here from poor Gears of War to. Gears of War, really. <laughs> no, we were talking about what a great year 2013. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, oh. Heart of this, wait, is Heart of the Swarm 2013? No, that's this year, isn't it? I, I doubt it. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> I doubt it. Everything's getting pushed. Yeah. All right. Uh, Medal of Honor Warfighter. 
is getting a limited edition, which is not surprising. But what's surprising is that Battlefield 4 is a thing. A fifth that's, that's not it's soon. Real. It is very real and soon, yeah. Because uh, I think a lot of people expected Bad Company 3 rather than Battlefield 4. But honestly, um, and they said that the beta is actually going to start in like the fall 2013. So it's ways, way away from even when actual Medal of Honor releases. Um, I'm thinking this is next-gen. I'm thinking. Because, I mean, I think it's... I don't, I, don't think, I don't think they would risk having such a small install base. I think, I think they might have uh, versions on next-gen and this-gen and have, like, a graphical... You uh, know, too, but I, I... You know what? Um, maybe, but I don't hmm. think next-gen... Well... That's the thing, though. I mean, you need killer launch titles, and everybody's been talking about how next-gen should be here already. Uh, I really think that this is going to be next-gen for sure, because, like we said, uh, we'll probably see something launch end of next year for uh, next generation, and, you know, that's when the betas for Battlefield 4 are supposed to kick off, so... Right, okay, betas. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Has this been done before, though, where they've released it on current gen, and then it's actually launched on next gen. Has that ever happened? I think so. Especially when you're dealing with, like, um, well, I know it's a terrible example, but Guitar Hero. <laughs> the pinnacle. <laughs> I I'm just, I'm having trouble thinking of some, but I, I bet you it's been done. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Sports, I would... uh, particularly sports games, actually. There you go. Uh, you know, sports games, they would debut on next-gen, but they would also release the current-gen versions. But I, I think they're a lot easier to uh, reverse-engineer or whatever, aren't they? Compared yeah. to, like... Oh, the game. Dial down what? the graphics really, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the textures. Well, well, the features were different as well. Really? Yeah, like okay. physics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, 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 okay. You know, so... I just, with a franchise as big as Battlefield, and considering how much the previous one sold on the current-gen consoles, um, I just, I don't want to understand why it would make business sense for them to lose that, like, huge install, like, huge consumer base that they can uh, sell to. But maybe it depends, I don't know, it depends exactly when it comes out. Maybe it'll come out slightly later, slightly post-launch of the next-gen yeah. console. So, is Medal of Honor and Battlefield going to be what Call of Duty is for for Treyarch and um, Activision. You know, they're going to be these two games which are launched each kind of a year that's, apart to fill to fill in that gap. That's what they're trying for sure, yeah. It's, yeah, it's looking that way. Uh, Copy-paste. EA Sports becomes an official game partner, whatever that means, of Tottenham yeah. Hotspur. <laughs> so so that's what that means. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur are going to have their own football game. No, what? I think they said that they're just going to Put like extra well rendered faces of the team in the game. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. Tottenham, but why, why, why Tottenham? Well, that's not the first one. They already have a bunch that they did. So this is just you, the latest one. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. So they're, they're just gonna what? Put them into a booth, photograph them. Yeah. Have some yeah. lovely detailed texture skins at the, at the back of somebody's head from about a thousand paces away. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think that might be the biggest uh, piece of gaming news this year so far. I think I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight after hearing that. <laughs> just think of how much effort, you know. I mean, they're going to be walking into the booth and yeah. walking, no, out, walking out of it. Think oh, about how I much just... better FIFA is going to be now. 
<laughs> yeah, they've really stepped up a notch. Arsenal, I could deal with, you know, Man U and all that. But then when when you bring Totspur, Tottenham Hotspur into it, then you're, <laughs> then you're operating on a different level, I think. Yeah, I don't know, like, what exactly the benefits are of that. I mean, they already model everybody off their pictures. I guess they get a better I, shot. I game advertising maybe as well if they partner with them then yeah. um, on t-shirts and matches and you know on the the flat screens in, in the stadiums and stuff because yeah. obviously you know there's a lot of uh, home and away games and whatnot and different yeah. teams so i don't know i guess i suppose so and uh finally dead space 3 uh we got an early fact sheet which kind of outlines the features of the game and uh i know ben was pretty upset he's a huge huge fan of the franchise and uh the fact that they're going co-op and action is not really sitting well with them. So you're walking, yeah, what you're walking down a corridor, and all of a sudden, if your friend wants to join, Maureen just comes up and say, "Hey, yo, man, what's up? You found me." <laughs> just like bust through a door. <laughs> I don't. <Shit>. I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they bother with the semantics. You just spawn right next to you and you be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be realistic yeah. elementary. He's pretty upset. And universal ammo, so you don't really care about ammo conservation anymore. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, oh I'm getting more and more <laughs> enticed towards Resident Evil 5, uh, sorry, 6 every day. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, strong statement. Back off. <laughs> Have they, like, substantiated why they've made these decisions? Or is it just, this is what we're doing kind of thing? Well, are we going to come on to that later with Penny Arcade? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. We've got something about that later on, but, uh, yeah. yeah. That's it for gaming news. Da, 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 da. All right, time for the article recap. We've had the wonderful reviews of Boronicula, which got an 83, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes something or other, uh, 75. Quantum Conundrum. Quantum Conundrum. Shut up. Got a 78. Uh, Spec Ops The Line got a 76. Uh, Brave, the video game, had a 70. And Test Drive, Ferrari Racing Legends, got a 62. And uh, we have Evan, who did Boronicula. Oh, yes. Great little game from the same guys who made Machinarium. If you remember that indie title from, I guess, a few years back. Uh, yeah, Bob Nicola deserves the high praise. Only down, let's see here, only down, possible downside to the game is it may not be your particular genre. It's sort of very, very light puzzling and exploration. And when you start playing it, it almost feels like a children's game just because it's so squeaky and cute and relatively simple gameplay. So is it easy? Because Machinarium wasn't easy as a puzzle game. <laughs> Uh, uh, this was easier than Machinarium, I thought. Like, the puzzles themselves, the puzzles, the focus on the puzzles isn't on solving the puzzles, it's on discovering what the puzzles are. You know, you walk into a room, and instead of seeing, like, okay, there are, you know, four buttons, and they, you know, they make the machine work in different ways, Mm. instead of that, your typical puzzle will be something like, you walk into the room, and there's this little bug there, and he looks kind of hungry. Uh, 
And mm-hmm. so you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, what, what does he eat? Maybe you'll try pulling over some of the leaves. Maybe you'll try, you know, shaking some of the flowers. Oh, it turns out that, you know, when you shake the red flowers, they make a different noise. And when you shake the yellow flowers or whatever, you get the idea. Yeah. It's always intuitive then. It is. It's very intuitive. Well, yeah, and it's the kind of thing where I've seen a lot of games try this out and fail miserably. Uh, where you know you just get you, you know you get stuck in a puzzle just because you don't know what the puzzle is. And in Botanicula, uh, they they did it just right. They reward you for just fooling around with your environment. There are a lot of fun things to to discover and a lot of sort of inside jokes that they put in. That are uh, not not like pop reference jokes, but just um, clever little weird things that will happen to you. You know, you're, there's a great moment in the game where your bugs are. The point of the game is that you're leading a team of bugs around solving puzzles, trying to save your tree. And at one great point in the game, they get to this sort of dead end where there's a puppet show going on. Hmm. And uh, they start watching this puppet show of, you know, bugs doing their. You know, bug things, uh, and the <laughs> things. <laughs> what kind of things do bugs do? It starts off very simple. It starts off just, you know, okay, it's a puppet show about, you know, a bug eating a leaf or, or, or whatever. And then weird things start happening in the puppet show. Like, it shows your group of bugs. So, f- for some reason, the puppeteer knows about you guys. And it shows them chasing a monster and cutting it down and. You know, it's dripping blood all over the place, and they start eating it, and your bugs are just watching this, kind of terrified and spooked out. So it may not be up your alley if you're looking for a particularly strong challenge, but the um, the overall experience is just spot on. Like, it's just enjoyable. The art is fantastic. The music goes right along with the art, and it's beautiful stuff. Mm. If you don't like it, show it to your girlfriend, and she'll love you. <laughs> There you go. Oh, there's a, there's a tip. Back to what I did. <laughs> Wise choice. All right. The other two reviews that we did for the people that are here is me. Hooray. Uh, I did Spec Ops The Line and Test Drive Ferrari Racing Legends. Uh, with Spec Ops, uh, it's, it's an interesting case where I think the story kind of outshines the gameplay and... While that in itself isn't really uh, all that rare, but the fact that it is a shooter, that does kind of make it an exception. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about it without actually spoiling the big twist at the end. Uh, and it's all a dream. No, not like that, but, you know... Dude, you were on Earth the whole time. You... Yeah! <laughs> it took it all! Yeah, like it's it's hard it's hard to talk about because you don't want to spoil it. Uh, well, well, wait, to not not to play not to play devil's advocate, Alex, but what it sounds almost as if you're just saying that the the thing that makes the story great is just that it has a twist. But yeah, well, no, that. it also it also has uh, uh, good writing, uh, excellent voice acting, I think. And as you go through the story, uh, you know things kind of deteriorate in a very human way that you've never really seen before. Um, although <laughs> all of that is kind of lost sometimes when you're, you know, having a, a moment with your squad mates and you're kind of, you know, becoming desperate in a situation, but then you go right back to just shooting other people in the face. So, I've, heard, I've heard there's a lot of um, a lot of 
well, a, lot, a big attempt for about on the developers' behalf to try and make everything seem serious and try and like uh, convey the horrors of war and what effect it has on human psychology. And then maybe you'll, it'll be quite jarring because an achievement will pop up saying, "Oh, you killed three hundred thousand people." <laughs> yeah, and that's I think Micro that's big, that's kind of yeah. downside. Um, I think they've succeeded uh, in what they were trying to create, but the fact that it is still a shooter, so you need to shoot things, and you know that just kind of takes you out of it. But you know, like yeah. it's, it's it, they did succeed in that. Uh, I think it's an interesting um, example of um, way we can try and tell like a really interesting story in games, a really meaningful, like deep story, but it just doesn't really kind of work. There's a, that juxtaposition between the narrative and the mechanics of the game. Yeah. The segregation, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the thing much. is, that what's sad about that is that I think it can work. I've seen it work before. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. But uh, it's so hard to... Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's hard to make you realize the terrors of war while simultaneously... Trying to entertain you with them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, exactly, trying to entertain you with them, you know. And, yeah, you, you see this with good movies, too, you know. Some, there are some war movies where it's fun to just see stuff blown up, and some war movies where, you know, you realize the horrors of war, and good yeah. or video games should do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, I think it looks admirable for trying to do something like that, uh, trying to actually convey a message. Yeah, and like I said, I think that the twist they do works really well because of all the build-up to it. And although it's not unique, like you've seen it before in a certain game, in a certain cult classic movie, I still think this is the best that has been done in a game. So it's it's, it's based on Hearts of Darkness, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the overall thing is, but the twist isn't. But the twist is reminiscent of a, another film. Yes. Kaiser Soze? What? <laughs> Usual suspects. Why is head in a box? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's, it's a mixture of that. It's Kaiser Soze's head in a box. He died at the beginning of the game, and the whole game was just him living as a spirit. Uh, again, yeah. I, I don't want. To, I, I don't. And then he wakes up in the Matrix. Is that it? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but no, that's not it at all. Right. It was a child. And he could see dead people all along. Is that? Is what I'm... It turned. It turned out that he didn't live in the time period that he thought he lived in. Oh no! <laughs> uh, okay. He was an anonymous. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know about you, but you guys, but I kind of want to see a video game start doing these now. This is, this is great. Obviously, every video game actually turned into Assassin's Creed, and they're all just anonymouses. Oh yeah. god, no! <laughs> that, that, that means the developers, even the developers. That means we'd have to deal with a terrible Desmond plot in every game. Good god, no! Yeah. From a serious game about war to just yeah. making fun of lapses in time. Cliches. Yeah. All right. And uh, another article that I did was uh, test drive Ferrari lacing, lacing, racing legends, and that was uh, not that great actually. It's as a sim, it wasn't very good because it's so limited in what you can do. Uh, it's using the engine from Shift to Unleashed. Need for Speed Simulation series, but it seems to have been completely redone and scaled down to budget levels. Uh, things kind of look pretty poor in terms of technical visuals. There's The only reason this game is recommended is for people that really want to see all these classic Ferrari cars, which are well done, and you know they're detailed and everything, historically accurate. But as far as the actual racing is concerned, you know, uh, it's hard to recommend to anybody who's just looking for a racing game. 
because of so many uh, gameplay problems. Is there a gameplay mode where I can take a quiet Sunday drive through a country lane? Is that no? It's it's circuit racing, right? So it's it's purely circuit racing. Yes, that's in, right. In classic modes of Ferraris. Yeah. And, I mean, there's challenges and stuff to you, and one of the bigger problems with gameplay is the difficulty. Uh, you know, you could be cruising along through the first couple of races, and then you hit a time trial that, you know, seems freaking impossible all of a sudden. And you just, you know, bang your head against the wall for five, six, seven, eight times, you try that damn thing. And uh, the game has linear progression in its uh, campaign, so you can't really go beyond it if you get stuck on a certain race. So, yeah, I mean, whoever came up with the, some of the challenges on there, I don't know if they played them or what the purpose <laughs> of that was, but they're damn near impossible. You know, I went in and took all the settings down to easy and still gave me a time. And then, you might as well go out there and drive a Ferrari. Yeah, and then, you know, you go to the next race and it's back to, like, super easy mode again, so you have to crank up the difficulty. So it's just really uneven for whatever reason. Fluctuates. Yeah. Well, that's right. too bad. Yeah, so, and it is uh, priced lower than usual. It's only 50 bucks instead of 60 but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's much of a saving point. So, I, yeah, unless you love Ferraris, I would uh, I would avoid this one. Is it connect what about, uh, what about multiplayer? Um, it's just standard... Circuit racing. I don't. There's nobody online. But yeah, what's your question? <laughs> that that just sounds depressing. That's true. There's nobody online to race against. <laughs> Come on, man. You can you can race. Awful. Uh, <laughs> the couple of races that I got, uh, basically, you need at least one other person, and then all the other spots can be filled by AI. But uh, yeah, so that's it. That's what we got for articles. And now, news from around the gaming industry. Starting with... (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! Valve revealing the Steam Greenlight project. I personally love this. I think this is going to be a good idea. Let's let's have the indie advocate speak. That's Mm -hmm. right. Get it, guys? It's taking the uh, normal corporate decisions and putting them in the hands of, wait for it, the community. Dun, dun, dun. That's one way to see it. But yeah, it's a ba- it's a ba- yeah, it's basically letting people vote on what games they want to see published, really, yeah. or, or what games they want to see distributed, uh, and really taking things that usually Valve did itself via Steam. And transferring at least some of the responsibility over to the common people. Yeah, and what well, go wrong with that? The way I see it, though, there's these games are going to be rejects, right, of Valve's process. Cause, uh, that, yeah. Because the games that are passed by Valve are going to keep getting passed by Valve. This is going to be for games that didn't meet the requirements or whatever, or they're still in concept, which do, you know Valve doesn't even look at it if it's just the game in concept. So yeah, you right. put those games on there and. Uh, well, it's, it's only going to expand upon the uh, the selection of games that you have on uh, Steam, then, isn't it? Surely, if if the games that are already kind of games that are already getting passed by Valve are going to continue getting passed by Valve, but then we get to vote for other cool little games that might not have got through that process. That's right. I think it seems like a good idea. Yeah, but here's the problem: Ooh, it is Frolic. 
<laughs> yeah, there's no like how do you stop it from becoming a big popularity contest? And the thing with the voting system is you can not only upvote but also downvote. So shout yes. out to shout out to Reddit, but uh, yeah. you're gonna be kind of in trouble with that voting system because like to me, I think the better way would have been just to have you can either upvote or just don't vote at all. Well, how about if it was used using your Steam profile with all your information on it? Is that you know to, to kind of certify that you're voting and that you're real and that you have a, yeah. a history? Yeah, of course. You're you're only gonna vote from your Steam profile, but still, like. But you're talking about using like I don't know if you built up a certain amount of credibility on your Steam profile just to ensure that you don't get like a really vocal minority of idiots who are voting. Yeah, down, you know, say if you've you know, got a decent account, you've had it for a while, you've you've got you know friends and stuff in there, you know, so you're not like. Oh yeah, now you're see, but <laughs> you're gonna start getting into arguing with Steam about who's allowed to vote. Now you're just being like. Discriminating against people, kind of elitist, I suppose, yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but there, there has to be some stipulations to avoid this, if that's made clear. You know, obviously, well, you know, everyone. That could, that could be one area where Steam is a little lucky because I think Steam already has a, a pretty high quality community. I want to say yeah. things like you know, Steam Workshop has been working out pretty well, and you know, the community on Steam in general isn't as bad as certain other online communities that we won't name here. The, so the point is, I think part of me wants to say, yes, this was a good idea, considering that they've had success with other community ventures. But another part of me says, maybe, you know, I mean, what happens if the community starts turning rotten, you know? Yeah. And this, is, whole thing, this whole thing could go down the drain like that. There's nothing wrong with the idea at all. It's just... Well, you, you, there could be penalties if you're, you know, harassing or, or, or like, you know, ordering, like, a downvote brigade. You know, you could have... How, how are you going to attract that? It's well, well there's maybe like maybe I don't know maybe you only get one vote per throw and I don't know if if you can vote once Up per somewhere. game then that's that's yeah. yeah well that's going to be the case for sure I suppose you can try it see what so happens. I would like to see what video games people would get mob mentality against what are I the games that, that people just don't want to exist yeah I think Valve is just so loved in general by the gaming community and. Everyone seems to have a lot of respect for what they do. That I could see this kind of working on Steam. To Evan's question about who would want to downvote, if you have, I mean, they haven't announced how they're going to pick what games go on, but I mean, it's pretty clear it's probably going to be like the most popular game, let's say every month or whatever, that gets approved. Well, if you want the game in second place to be approved, wouldn't you just get together with everybody who voted for the second game and go mass downvote the game that's in first place? So that your game gets up there and gets selected. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I see your point. And yeah. well, you, you know, try it out, see what happens. You know, you won't know until you've uh, given it a whirl. This could, in theory, uh, lower Steam's quality of games a little, though, right? What do you mean, like, you're going to have the Nintendo Seal debacle kind of thing? <laughs> uh, wait, what was that? Nintendo Seal thing. They put a seal on all of the games, don't they? Seal of quality. Seal of, well, it's supposed to seal of quality. It's a seal of lies, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll see, we'll see. Next is another indie-ish title. Evan? Remember, I'm all over this one. <laughs> Although the news itself is more of a business transaction, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's pretty rotten. Just... This is bad stuff all around. The news yeah. is that Limbo could have launched first on the PS3 instead of 360. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Fez patch. <laughs> no, not there. Oh, 
it's the schedule. We'll get we'll get the crying out loud. Sorry, I, I didn't yeah, I I didn't see that this was so quite newsworthy. I mean, why? Well, I don't think Fez is newsworthy. Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <laughs> all right. Oh no, you didn't. Uh uh oh. Did you have you played Fez? No, not yet. I really want to. Nah, I followed its development a lot. Yeah. Have you played Fez, Alex? No. All right. That's that I can just argue with Evan without having. Some of you played Fez. Wait, Alex, have you played Limbo? I... Yeah. Okay. Well, so have I. So. Okay. <laughs> Let's fight. Let's, Let's, fight. Let's fight. Okay. Uh, let's see. I guess the whole point about the Limbo thing is, it could have been a PlayStation 3 exclusive, essentially, and so now, in theory, the developers have a chance to thumb their noses at PlayStation 3 and say, "Ah, look, you missed out on a huge indie hit that made a lot of money." Mm. But the Got point. The uh, well, I mean, the, the was point, it because they want the IP rights? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's actually a bunch of follow-up articles on like uh, game industry and a couple of other uh, industry sites about what happens when you're pitching a game and, you know, the publishers will always want their IP rights and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting uh, internal development, I guess, as far as that's concerned. No, it's really tough out there for the indie game developer, actually. And they, go, they went into this a lot uh, on the uh, that documentary that came out, Indie Game the Movie, that uh, a lot of indie game developers, because it's an indie game, and you kind of feel like you know my three-man team made everything, did all the creative work and, and everything. Really, you're just borrowing someone's servers and essentially to yeah. get it advertised out. There's a big fight about yeah, where does the ownership of the game really really rest? Continuing into that topic, you can talk about Fez now. Yay, Fez! Oh, Fez is in a sad, sad... It's a sad, sad day for indie games. Uh, yeah, uh, Fez was having issues and it was uh, released with a magical patch that solved most of them, but erased, like, one out of a hundred uh, saved game files. Inconvenient. Yes, very inconvenient, but, you know, that would be bad enough. But it gets even worse, because now the developer is not going to release a patch to fix the patch or release a patch that actually works because of the red tape involved, essentially. What was it? Well, I think? Wasn't, it wasn't it the cost? I, I'm sure I read that it was because it was going to cost him $10,000 to make the patch. Yeah, yeah, but that's the cost comes to That's a proverbial red, red tape, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Microsoft uh, red tape, right, okay. Yeah, this is just certification cost. This is just, well, you know, it's yeah, it'll cost you $10,000 to have the rights to release the patch, you know? Uh, and Man. that just seems... Microsoft needs to feed themselves, okay? They're starving out there. Well, I know, true. it's been hard, really. Microsoft, you know, Microsoft is, yeah, don't, get, don't get me wrong, is pushing... Pushing the limits, having to bring home just broth to its children to its children to eat. The point is, the Fez developer wants to improve his game, wants to improve Microsoft's product. You know, this is uh, yeah, this is released on Xbox Live, and you know he wants to make it better essentially. And Microsoft is charging him for the right to do that, which just seems wrong. Well, you know, they're arguing that. Uh, what's included in the cost is the extra QA time on Microsoft's end to make sure that it's compliant and that it's you know doesn't break Xbox Live suddenly or whatever and doesn't break people's Xboxes. So that's what they're kind of charging 
the time for basically with that cost. Uh, they didn't, did make a good point that really this is probably not the best way to address the problem. Uh, you know, to, to just go to all the Fez users and say, hey, we're not going to patch the game, or hey, yes, we're sending out a bad patch, but that's the only thing you're going to get. This, you know, yes, you're sticking it to the man as far as you're hitting Microsoft, but you're also hitting the users, you know, so. But isn't the whole story with that guy that he's kind of rude to users? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard anyways. No, 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 he is. Yeah, well, what is it with indie game developers having no social skills? I wonder where that comes from. Hmm. Hey. Anyway. Whoa, bit of a bit of a um, uh, simplification, maybe? Oh. No, Phil Fish, Jonathan Blow. Who's the guy who does Minecraft again? Doesn't he, like, isn't he known for... Notch. Notch? Notch? Really? Okay. <laughs> He makes he makes a lot more than all those other guys, so he's cool. That's, the point that's is, my arguments falling apart. I, I, I can't help I can't help but feel like like the right way to respond here would be to, you know, pu- publish on your website or on your Facebook or on your Twitter or whatever. Give an official complaint to Microsoft. You know, explain your reasons, but go ahead and patch the game. You know, don't you, don't essentially give Microsoft and all the game players the finger and walk away. He's like, no, my ten thousand dollars. You can't have it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, is that the uh, technical assumption? Well, you, you know what I mean. He could raise funds for it if he was that bothered. Sure, you know what you should do. You should do a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> so much you can do these days with Kickstarter. Episode right. nine, the episode of Kickstarter ideas. <laughs> and then we move on to Penny Arcade, uh, talking about a false <laughs> news report about Dead Space Three. And I actually came across that uh, myself not too long ago. Essentially, they're saying that game journalism sucks because there's a story about Dead Space 3 saying it was... EA said it was too scary, but that's not really what they said. But that's what most most sites uh, reported. And I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time. It's just no big sites usually come to admit to it. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, quotes on movie posters. Um, so many of them seem to be taken out of context with the surrounding words and the paragraph that they came from. I uh, love seeing movie poster quotes that have ellipses on both sides. <laughs> and just one or two words, you know, like, astounding in its beautiful dot, dot, dot. I know. Ugliness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, they've kind of... There's, so, there's kind of been a lot of sites that t- took... Um, a little section of this, uh, this this whole this whole quote from this person um, out of context, kind of, and just said that the EA weren't happy with making Dead Space scary anymore, which wasn't really what they said. It's just that what they said, something like they want to make it more accessible with co-op for people who might be scared. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, this is not new. It's just it takes a big site to call out the other big sites, whereas if you're yeah. not a big site, that nobody cares. Uh, case in point, and you know, I'm sounding bitter about this, but it's just a perfect example. Uh, back in the day, there was a story about uh, Ghost Recon Future Soldier, actually, and they said, uh, you know, that when it was first announced, there was a PC version, and then there was an interview a couple months later saying. Well, no, there's not going to be a PC version because we're making the Ghost Recon online. Uh, so there's not going to be a Future Soldier PC version. 
And that was taken completely out of context by, I don't want to call names, but that's what everybody else referenced for that story. And, you know, that was the story of the week. Uh, Future Soldier, no PC version. Everybody's mm. stating it as fact. And, you know, I, I obviously checked into it and I emailed our uh, public relations guy and he said, no, there's a PC version. And, you know, we posted the news that it's wrong, there's still a PC version, but, you know, nobody cares, obviously, because we're not IGN. So, uh, everybody ran with that. And then, and then, um, like, two months before the release of Future Soldier, uh, it was, I think it was, again, VG247 saying, oh my god, look, people, there's going to be a PC version, because Ubisoft just announced it. And I just went, oh, really? Like, you know, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. I think it emphasizes the importance of finding the primary source of something if you're <laughs> a journalist and not just using, like, creating sensationalist headlines out of secondary sources off some other website. Yeah. Well, well that's that's the top quality journalism on New Game Network on the behalf of Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we try. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I would never post news until I actually find the news release. That's what I do. Like, even if I see a news story, you know, somewhere... All that does is it gives me ideas for new stories, and then I go and look up the source. Like I never actually, uh, you know, reference other sites unless I can't actually find a source other than that site. In which case, I say, well, this story came from this site, so take it for what it is. Alex, you do a good, you do a good job of that. Seriously, it's nice to see, considering that new game that new game network is as medium sized as it is. It's nice to see that we're not just a rumor mill. Yeah, I mean, that comes from readership as well, though. I mean, it's the users that drive the need to have these kinds of stories, and uh, I don't want to pull gamer stereotypes, but, you know, what are you going to read about? The next Gears of War having a controversial scene, or, you know, about a correction and a release date, you know? Yeah, good point. Well, if it was summed up in a top ten list, then uh, maybe that would keep my attention for longer. Yeah. <laughs> if you can put uh, important news into bite-sized points with some picky yeah. kind of dialogue, which adds nothing, then it, yeah, I'm into that. Top ten date corrections and slight misconceptions that are floating <laughs> around the industry. of 2012. <laughs> Number four. No. That's no, the top to ten Less scary. 20, uh, 2012 doesn't cut it anymore. Now you have to do one every month. Oh god. Uh, moving on to some more news about EA, I guess. Uh, their stock is dropping. <sighs> dropping hot, dropping faster than plates in a Greek restaurant, Alex. I think that's the analogy we can use. That is dropping faster than Snoop Dogg carrying something warm. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, again, that's more of a business story. Uh, I guess everybody's kind of worried that the biggest publisher is having problems, but it was next gen as well because everything seems to be kind of holding out for that yeah. as well. And I think you know, in I'm mean, obviously this is spurious, but I, I imagine the people who invest in uh, games companies they may see it as a more of a business decision. And if you're not as up to date, perhaps in the industry and things like that, then perhaps that can lead way for some perhaps rash decisions and selling of stock. Everyone always likes to say this, but I really do think uh, the stock drop is not something to get worried about. I can see how, you know, people looking, I mean, people looking outside at EA 
as a business who aren't really involved with the industry, they might kind of feel like, hey, we're you know reaching a period of stagnation, and you know mm-hmm. this summer wasn't as big as it as it should have been, but EA is not going anywhere. I think everyone uh, failed. EA had like this uh, massive push a while ago to I, I don't know innovation in games. We'll come up with new games, uh, fresh IPs because we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> and we saw Dead Space and Mirror's Edge, but that seems to have kind of died out now. Years, um, man, years ago. Yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's waiting until next console. Yeah, worry about it because they just need to get a Kickstarter started to um, <laughs> yeah, exactly get their stocks back up. That'll be fine. <laughs> Please help us, starving millionaires. A hundred dollars, you get yeah. to be director for a day. That's what a hundred dollars bucks you. Hey, that could work, man. Dollars, you get to get your face scanned into uh, the latest FIFA yeah. game. Alongside oh Tom my Hot- god, can I be part of Thompson Hotspur's substitutes, <laughs> please? Can I be their rising star player? <laughs> they already have game face. You don't have to pay anybody. Oh, oh. yeah, sure. Yeah, but they, they can get all my run animations and my, you know, oh. animations. <laughs> My diving header, my bicycle kicks and stuff. Yeah. Seven gold. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes, oh, I can't remember. what? Hey, what? It was, uh, it was, oh, I was going to ask, I was going to ask something, but I can't remember what I was going to ask now. It's evaded me, it's evaded me. You were going to ask about what is the greatest project on Kickstarter? And that was our next topic. Oh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's like a, sounds like ooh, a chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. It's like the, uh, the the man. What's his name? Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid man, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some kind of umbongo um, bongo drink. So, it is the next platform for independent game development and publishing, running an Android making five million dollars in Kickstarter donations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really kind of skeptical about the UEA, personally. I don't think they have enough money in the first place to get this thing out there, um, to get it marketed, manufactured and everything, because uh, as far as I know, they don't have any other sources of money apart from family and friends. They don't have, like, angel investors. Or, oh, well, they have a few angel investors, but they don't have any big, um, big investment from elsewhere. Supposedly going to be an open console, hackable console. That obviously brings up its own issues. If you're going to have a hackable console and, and like openly advertise that and well, game well, namely, game. how exactly how, are they trying to make money? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't really understand. Well, they're going to sell a console. Yeah, and there's also the issue. Um, if you actually look at their uh, Kickstarter pitch, they say things. As facts, they say things like we're going to have Minecraft there. Um, they have a picture of Madden on the uh, on the dashboard system that they've um, mocked up for the console, and that has not been confirmed by like EA or um, Mojang guys who made Minecraft. They both said that they're interested in it, maybe, but neither of them have actually. Aren't um, aren't they able to port the Android versions of those games though? Wouldn't isn't that sense. all they're doing? Surely they'll have to get the rights to the license in the first place. Well, no, not if it's in the Android market. I mean, it's like you're running your phone on the big screen. Wouldn't but it well. depends if, if it's if it's somehow an independent, if it's classed as a console system, if that conflicts with any kind of fine print they've got. Because sometimes, you know, it, it may specify that it's for a handheld phone yeah. device with gaming mm. capabilities rather than a standalone box. 
that may I, I don't know I'm not I don't know how they've signed the deal or anything it's just something to think about yeah I really don't know if it's as simplistic as you're gonna get every single Android game that's on the market on our console to me this is definitely just raising too many red flags though there are there's too much to to give you pause I think when you read this but um, I think as we've we were saying before there is a there may be an inherent problem with uh, crowdsourced funding because we, we talk about you know the avalanche of when it kind of hits a, a peak of some popularity or yeah. money it just kind of it snowballs and you get more and more and more and people are less inclined to read and think about it because like I said it's like it's like um, it has to be like a bank pitch or like yeah Dragon's Den kind of pitch yeah. but to but to the public you know it has to be made on solid foundations but your yeah. average person may not know or they may get you know, sucked in by the hype and don't think about it in a yeah. like a, a business light, and then they're just you know throwing fifty dollars. Well, I think there's there's a lot that's well, I don't want to say deceptive, but slightly misleading what they say in their pitch. Uh, yeah, and I also think there's the issue of it's it's going to be relatively underpowered. It's it's powered by I think it's the Tegra three chipset, which is an Android uh, tablet chipset, so it can do HD, but it's it's not going to be. I don't know. I don't, like. There's, I suppose there's room for a console that doesn't need to push something like really intensive graphically. It's more about the smaller games, the indie games. But if I'm going to own a home console, I want the spectrum of choice, really. Um, okay. Speaking of Kickstarter, though, there was some numbers released uh, pretty much after the Double Fine Kickstarter. Uh, you know, there's obviously an influx of gaming projects, but uh, you know the rate of failure started to be high, like 60% or something. Mm. And, you know, now you were actually competing, like you said, by trying to make it the biggest and best pitch versus just having a creative idea, which was how it was originally. Yeah. You know, it's become a little more, uh, well, a lot more competitive, really. I think um, another problem with Kickstarter is that it's, I think it's taken away uh because in a sense it is a popularity contest, uh, contest. And say if you know, you know, a while back people just used to make these games and it was kind of make or break. They mm. didn't have this security net of saying, "All right, give me ten grand and I'll make it." They, you know, took time out of their their work and and their days to you know power and make these things by themselves. There wasn't that. There wasn't you know the backing of other people to give them money to spur them on. I think it's good for established companies like you know Tim Schafer and all that stuff. Um, because because they've got a proven track record. But if it's some guy saying, here's the engine I'm using, here's a few screenshots and a, a, a minute-long video, now give me you know 20 grand and I'll make it. I'm thinking, well, if it's so good, then go and make it. Um, and then, obviously, the quality will show for itself. But I think yeah. it's it's like... And, and people people get sucked in, though. And people... Are, uh, it's amazing how gullible people are. I think, yeah, I think you're so right. I think it's so easy to make, like, a glossy pitch without much to back it up. And I wouldn't really ever invest in a Kickstarter unless they have, I don't know, maybe some evidence of they're going to be able to... Um, they're going to be able to deliver on their promises and create what they actually say they can create and stuff like that. I, I think Kickstarter has some stringent uh, contractual ru- rules for if you get it, you know, you have to keep up with it. But, yeah. you know... That, that legal and everything can take so long to actually go through. You know, it can seem like uh, a waste, especially for something that may only be ten grand when they're taking five percent of this ouya, which is you know nearly five and a half million dollars. You know, is it like are they going to be as bothered? I don't know. That's just speculation. And you do like to speculate. I do. It gets me up in the morning. Excellent. Thank you. Great to accumulate.
I see you lying in bed and then thinking, hmm, I wonder if Gordon Freeman is the son of G-Man. And then you get out of bed and think, oh, okay, i got to get going, get breakfast. And then then I start arguing with myself in the shower. (laughs) What if if Half-Life Episode 3 never comes out? Yeah. Uh, So, uh, we should talk about the site itself. And this might be a bit of a dry topic. uh, But we, uh, at the time of recording our last uh, podcast, episode 8, we were moving servers. And we have successfully done so now. So, we're running on new hardware. I have to say, we're recording some very sexy loading time speeds. Beating all kinds of records for response time and just loading pages, so I'm very happy with that. And hopefully the end user experience is also improved. And uh, we're working on some things still, uh, you know, on the back end. But uh, as far as usability goes, I think we're up and running on the new hardware and everything's set, ready to go. Happy times. Thank goodness. Way to go getting that up and running, Alex. (laughs) Yeah. It was a struggle, but you know, I uh, think we're we're good now. We're good to the community. Yes. Checking in. Also, we, as promised, ran our PlayStation Network contest, which was quite popular. Uh, we got over twelve hundred entries. <laughs> and what was that fun? I'm, I'm just thinking how many pe- how many people can come out of the woodwork for something uh, for something like a contest. Oh yeah, and I think and I'm thinking it's funny because 300 of those were me. <laughs> oh no, you can't. Uh, you're the 900 of me. <laughs> <laughs> unless you, unless you have 300 emails that are shit, then uh, it could be. Maybe. Oh, oh it was, uh, well, 910. Well, unless uh, unless your name is Gary, then you didn't win. So. Congratulations to a guy named Gary who won our contest, and apparently he told me that it was his birthday as well, so... Yeah, lies. An awesome present (laughs) for Gary from uh, Facebook. Well done, Gary. And uh, still on the topic of site updates, uh, we... I submitted our podcast to the BlackBerry store and it got approved, so... What's that work like iTunes, then? Yeah, so if you have a BlackBerry, um, just download the podcast app, and we're listed in their directory or whatever. That's good. If you want to listen on the go... Well, I'm checking my business emails for that big meeting I've got. Exactly. So does that mean it's applicable for Droid as well? Well, no, because Android doesn't have a global marketplace. It just has a bunch of readers. So, I mean, if you want to listen on Android, you just download one of the podcasts... Yeah, yeah. Uh, apps or whatever. Uh, yeah. a bunch of them, and you just enter the URL of our feed, and you're good to go. Okay. Yeah, we're wildly accessible. That's good. I just subscribed on iTunes just a few days ago to the Netcast. I usually just listen to it at the website, but I'm so excited to get it straight into my iPod. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I do. Listen to it on the in the in the car on the way to work. Yeah. Remember to rate. Remember to rate and leave a positive review. Uh, oh yeah, uh, well I haven't done that because I wouldn't want to um, be biased. And um, yeah, that's okay. You should. <laughs> that's why I've created 500 alternate accounts. <laughs> uh, systematically rated five stars. <laughs> that's oh, man. Oh. 
those 900 emails I made for our conversation. <laughs> no, don't don't want to waste, do we? All right. And now for a question of the episode. We, I think, decided to do a, a Kickstarter-themed episode question. And I think the question should be what, I guess, one, two, or three games or projects you would put on a Kickstarter that you would want to succeed. Or if it already exists, then you can just mention that as well. Um, I would start a Kickstarter to get <clears throat> Beyond Good and Evil 2 finally made. Yeah, because I've been waiting for that for ages and I loved the original and it really needs a sequel and they've teased it so much and it just seems to have faded into non-existence yeah just one that's good well, I think it's difficult because you have to think about um, stuff that maybe it kind of it's kind of dropped off the map all these kind of old school games <laughs> I think for you Pete it's going to be Final Fantasy Thirteen Versus Actually, that was um, there was some information announced on it. I yeah, about it being cancelled after six years or something. No, it's it's still going. Developments on in uh, January 2010. It started or it resumed, I should say, with a staff of 200. Uh, I believe I think it's going to be open world with elements of Vagrant Story. If you ever played Vagrant Story, um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's uh, back from the I wouldn't say dead, but inertia. It was in cryostasis or whatever, like Walt Disney. Oh. Uh, Okay. And I'll take that. Disney. So, what's your answer then? Uh, a game that I really like to see. I think um, it, it, it. I think it'd be Tenchu because I think after the one the the Xbox 360, it just wasn't um, what I'd expected from the series. But it, it, you know, despite what it was and how old it was, it, it did have you know a solid story with the interesting characters, and it really brought about that stealth genre. Um, mm. So, I'd like to see how they could innovate with that on a maybe not on this generation console, but the next one. I think there's a, <clears throat> a definitely an interesting way you can go with that. But on, and just maybe like any of the kind of obscure games that <sighs> never did well, I think it's a, a Kickstarter is good for that. Because, you know, there, there, there are some diehard fans, you know, and if you like, yeah. <clears throat> if you want to give 30 quid that, you know, entitles you to get, you know, a copy of the game, you know, God willing, it gets made. Uh, what else would I do? Uh, I think I'd... That fund to try and get a maybe a current gen or maybe next gen um, sequel or reimagining of Okami made. I know they did the HD version, but <clears throat> I'd really like to see another game. Not just because of its cool art style, I really enjoyed the game as well. So in oh, I'll tell you what would be awesome. God Hand Two, but I didn't really play that. Uh, let's see here. I've got one that exists and one that I'd like to see. Uh, Kickstarter, which I would actually well. Not to uh, advertise for other people, but uh, I would say everyone should check out is FTL the indie game. Oh, uh, faster than light. Is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks you were good. You talking about that a while back, weren't you? The space one. Was yeah, it? Uh, space space combat. It's in uh, the developers seem like they've got good heads on their shoulders. It's pretty cheap. It's like ten bucks. Granted, they've already reached their goal though, and it should be coming out next month. So look for a review from me on that. Yeah. But uh, you know the project that I really want to see done that I think is just a breakout hit waiting to happen? We need our first first-person shooter rhythm game. <laughs> That's uh-huh. right. You know, It's so much fun to play a rhythm game. It's so much fun to do first-person shooting, but to shoot in rhythm with the song. <laughs> this so is... it, it would be what? Um, like so, Call, 
Call of Duty meets Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, yeah, you're heading the right direction, yeah. Uh, it would probably have to be a little more... Uh, not Call of Duty, come on. Give me a friendly, fun first-person shooter. Uh, Metroid, maybe. We're, yeah, we're getting there. It might, ha- it might have to be a bit like rail shooting, maybe. Uh, we'll see. So what, like House of the Dead? Dance. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we're heading the right. Yeah, right. Dance yeah. Dead Revolution or Dead Dance Revolution, we could call it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and you could get you would get points for you know switching to different weapons at appropriate you know fills or, or crescendos or something or you know every now and then the chainsaw would work out better than the shotgun and some so weapons. So you're saying like um, the shotgun could be like the timpani with the the bass and you know the violin could be an assault rifle, the pistol could be. Um, I don't know, some kind of cello or something, so you have to go in line with it. Yeah, kind, well, kind of, yeah, yeah. I admit, there's some details to knock out here, but <laughs> this has got, yeah. got a lot of potential here. It would be like, it would be like the pyro version of the shooter, or the rainbows, except you get music instead of rainbows. Yeah. yeah. That's certainly interesting. That's a crazy mashup of genres you've just yeah, yeah. Uh, thrown out there, Evan. Good idea. Well, thank you. You should copyright it. I'll start a Kickstarter. Expect you don't 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 Yeah, just throw throw up the Kickstarter right now. Million dollars, we'll call it. That's the floor. And then we just go from there. And you'll make five. Yeah, exactly. Ka-ching! I will source you all as inspiration. <laughs> yeah, we want um, we want credits. I want a model in there, um, of my face, please. <laughs> strapped strapped onto a gun or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, actually, a gun, that, a, gun, a gun that fires my face. Can we have that, please? Tell you what, I'll put your face on top of a very modest and <laughs> a very modest female model in honor of your. That's <laughs> weird. Recent, in, in honor of your recent conversion to you know, you know treating women right in video game industry. <laughs> All right. Brilliant idea. Okay, um, it's called the Banner Saga. <clears throat> And uh, it's just a really, really interesting looking uh, kind of indie project. It's kind of like uh, a strategy game, but it's 2D and you, I think you control a bunch of Vikings. Uh, It just looks really cool. It's got a really cool art style. That's banner as in the flag? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you carry this huge flag throughout it all. Huge banner that your men corral under. Uh, yeah, it just looks like a really interesting project. I think it's already finished and it made way over its its budget, but it's one to check out and one to um, look into because it looks cool. Yeah, oh yeah, holy cow! It's a nearly a million. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah, crazy because it? it looks so good. Well, one project that really shouldn't be a Kickstarter, but it probably will be, or well, hopefully not. Uh, well, Beyond Good and Evil Two, like you said already, uh, is probably one that I want to see. I want to see Mirror's Edge 2, obviously, because I don't know what is it about these games that have a cult following, but the publishers and developers are like, no, we're not making them, because we don't want to. One non-gaming Kickstarter, I think, that would do really well would probably be something for Firefly. I know know we talked about it a little bit, about the Comic-Con stuff. But Whedon isn't prepared to do it, that's the thing. Oh, is he not? No, he's he did an um an an IMAA on Reddit and and obviously everybody asked him when's Firefly coming back when's Firefly coming back and he said you know it succinctly it was that it, you know it had its time and you know I love that show but okay but it doesn't mean he's not gonna like did anybody actually ask about funding or Kickstarter though oh yeah yeah because yeah he said it it isn't about money because do you think Josh Needham we needs it 
No, I'm sure no. he does. Well, no, to make a show, dude. Of course he does, not you? Well, yeah, I'm yeah, sure but... he's backing now, though. I don't know. But he, he just doesn't want to do it. You know, it, it's a choice I think he made because it's, it's you know, been and gone kind of thing. But it's time. Yeah. He didn't do a concluding episode. <laughs> oh, it, there, there is talk of another Serenity movie. Oh, like that, yeah. Oh, that that Lion's here. That was that was not bad at all, actually. I actually watched the movie before I watched the TV series. Same here. I did it that way around, yeah. The movie yeah. got me into the TV series. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both excellent as well. Episode 9. In the bay. That's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need a, one of those things that they use in the movies, like, clap, cut. A clapperboard. Cut. Yeah. Except that it really makes no sense in an audio format. Sure it does. <laughs> No, you need no. You know what you need? You need the orchestral chimes, like when you're supposed to turn the page on kids' audiobooks. You know, yeah. you hear the sound. <laughs> but like a, fl- a flutter of uh, some kind of woodwind instrument. Exactly. Yeah. We do need little yeah sound instruments. We could just um make them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Please remember to visit www.newgamenetwork.com for the latest and greatest video game news and reviews.